1: Hello gorgeous goddesses and welcome back to the cool mom 101 podcast. I'm your host Emily Kylo and I'm so excited to be bringing you today's episode featuring Dr. Andrea Liner, the breakup doc. I thought this was a weirdly perfect fit for the day after Valentine's Day because you know what? Everyone's not in a relationship and everyone's had a breakup. So, if you know someone going through a breakup, this is the perfect episode for them. I thought it was also really great as someone who's gone through super terrible breakups. I'm sure most of you listening have. It was kind of healing to listen to some of the struggles she sees with breakups and how to address them. So, I hope you love this episode. And before we get into a little more about the episode, I wanted to mention. One of my worst breakups, I feel like it's always like the first one, you know, like that first real love. And so this breakup I had, I was probably around 22 and I remember vividly being so depressed and so sad for an entire month. And I I remember this moment so well. I looked at my grandma was visiting and I looked at her and I said, am I just going to feel like this forever? And she said, no, sweetheart, you're not. And it was just one of those moments now where I look back and everything is different with perspective. Right. And I have such a different perspective now than when I was 22, obviously. And clearly that wasn't the person I was supposed to be with anyways. But I just think of that moment and how my my grandma, you know, she she really was just approaching it with a lot of kindness And it's funny because it's so easy sometimes to think, oh, like, just get over it, you know, like, come on, just pull up your fucking bootstraps and move on. But sometimes it feels really fucking hard to do that. And so if you're going through that, I want to send you some love and just know that I've been there, I'm sure. So many of us have been there. Um, So let's get into it. This is episode 94 and we talk about how Andrea got into psychology and then into her specialty of supporting people going through breakups. I think this is genius because if I would have had that type of support, I think I would have had a different outcome from that Month long plus depression, I told you about. And we also talked about the most common struggles she sees with getting over breakups and how to address them. We touched on how a global pandemic is affecting relationships. Because you know what, everything's been different. People have been working from home when they don't usually. You're kind of seeing your partner a lot more in a way, but it's not that quality time. So we talked about that. And then we ended with her top tips for strengthening relationships, which we can all use. So I hope you love this episode. I absolutely loved connecting with Andrea. She is so smart and so warm and approachable. So let's get to it. Here's episode 94 featuring Dr. Andrea Leiner, the breakup doc. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. We're going to jump right on into the opening segment and get to know you a little bit. And I want to know what do you love most about your mom?
0: Oh, I'm so excited to send her this recording because she has no idea I'm doing this. (laughs) I think my favorite thing about my mom is that, and it's a joke I make all the time, that her biggest fault is loving me too much. Like she is my biggest cheerleader, my biggest support. And she made sure I knew from an early, early age that She, you know, sometimes friends don't always have your best interests at heart. You know, employers don't, significant others don't always, but she will always have my best interests at heart and always have my back. And I just so appreciate her for that. Oh,
1: you're going to make me tear
0: up. That's so nice. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to cry. Yeah. (laughs) Let's put money on it. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: I love it. What's your daily ritual right now? What are some things you like to make sure you do to keep yourself
0: grounded every day? Let's hear it. Yes, um, I'm very much trying to establish better rituals right now. Mm. Um, I'm trying to incorporate more meditation and reading, gratitude, and all of that I'm really into it right now. But I'd have to say what I currently do every morning I make myself a little latte and I get back into bed just for a little bit and I play this strategy board game on my computer. Um, I've been doing this since the start of the pandemic and it's super nerdy. It's by the people who make Dungeons and Dragons. It's called Lords of Waterdeep. Uh, my husband got me into it, my husband and our friends did. And so that's what I do. I have my latte and I wake my brain up with this little strategy game that I get to play on my computer. (laughs) I love it. For me, coffee is part of my ritual
1: as well. I love, I love the taste of coffee and I love the ritual and the slowing down of the coffee you know when like the sitting with the coffee
0: <laughs> yes, i'm new to coffee i didn't start drinking it until my late 20s <sighs> welcome thank you, thank you. welcome to the dark to do, side like, yeah i still have to do sugary like it doesn't totally taste like coffee coffee but i'm getting there okay. <laughs>
1: you're expanding your palate i love it <laughs> what are you most grateful for in
0: your life right now gosh i i I could talk about this for an hour. I feel like I have so much to be grateful for. Um, I'm incredibly grateful for my health. I think, you know, this past couple of years, it's uh, it's not something to be taken for granted. Um, and I am grateful that I have an incredibly supportive and loving husband and a business that lets me impact people and people let me into their lives in this intimate way. And I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to um, get to know people on that level and that they entrust me with their you know, most vulnerable parts.
1: Mm, it is such a gift, isn't it? Yes. What's your why for your life? So what gets you up in the morning, working with the clients that you do, supporting them, achieving the goals you've
0: achieved? What's your why? I think my why is split a little bit. One is the answer I feel like I should say, which is also true, uh, which is, you know, to make an impact on people positively and just be part of the contribution of positivity that flows through the universe. Um, I want to be part of that. And also my other why is just to enjoy life. We're not here for a very long time. And I am all about, you know, I think this can have a negative connotation, but like I'm a bit of a hedonist. I'm like, if it feels good, if it tastes good, if it makes me happy and it's not hurting anyone else, do it.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, speaking my language and here's something I've been playing with in my brain a lot is you have to, as a human, come to the realization that you're always going to be competing a bit with your current self. And what is good for your future self. And I think a lot of people want to ignore that. And they want to be like, well, no, like you're, you always just only save your money because that's better for your future. And I'm always like, yeah, but like right now me is going to get so much enjoyment out of buying this. I don't know. I just got AirPods and uh-huh. that really like up leveled my gym game for example. And so it's like, it's a a balance and a push and a pull, but I think about it often because I'm definitely a little bit more of a live in the moment, uh, enjoy the now type of girl.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. That (laughs) resonates completely.
1: Yeah. But I think it's dangerous
0: if you want to deny
1: that that's there. Like it's there. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. And you know, the future isn't guaranteed. So it would really, really stink if I saved all of my enjoyment for later and never got to do it.
1: (laughs) Yes. I'm with you. I love it. So I would love to just situate everyone a little bit, give the listeners a little background about you know, where you grew up, what your early life was
0: like. Let's hear it. Yes. It's so funny. I am a therapist, first and foremost, and I usually ask these questions of my clients and no one ever asks me these questions. So this I love that right.
1: you said I love that you said that that's like a therapist question. I was
0: like, this is great. I'll bet, right? The background. Um so I was born and raised um, in Denver, Colorado. Technically, we'll self of Denver, Colorado, but that's the gist. And I I will admit I have been beyond blessed and lucky that I had a supremely wonderful childhood. I lucked out the parents I got born to <laughs> um, and so I'm an only child and lived with both my parents and they just have always been huge supports um, anything I wanted to do uh, my dad is especially funny in the support area one of my best memories is him sitting on the basement floor with me when I was little playing the board game pretty pretty princess I don't know if if you remember that game or ever played that but it's like a little board game and you collect jewelry and the goal is at the end to end up with the crown and
1: um I mean honestly that sounds amazing I did not play it but you can probably tell listeners can't see me but my eyes are lighting up because I think that sounds amazing
0: so cute and I ended up being a dancer so you know my dad didn't get to do the sports thing growing up but he and my mom of course who was really the driving force and drove me to dance class every day and the biggest support um but she um, both of them super supportive and my dad it's so funny they'll watch like dance tv shows now like so you think you can dance and my dad's the one critiquing the technique of the dancers he's gotten so into it
1: I love that that is so cute yeah
0: so I was a girly girl in my in my childhood and
1: today and I'm still a girly girl so am I, which kind of makes me, I was thinking about this lately because I'm kind of on the fence and it's funny because you're an only child too. And it, I'm kind of on the fence of like, do we want to have another one? Do I want to stick to the one and done? And there's a big desire though, for me, you can't plan this though. There's a big desire in my soul, I would say, to have a girl. Um, So I have a son, Leo, amazing. But there is this desire to like, do all the girly things oh my gosh it's so gendered I know and that's like not the way of the world these days I get and I just think it's cool to see the different experiences mm-hmm. and I would I would love that
0: yeah <laughs> hey maybe he'll want to do dance or something
1: at some point can get well him. that's the thing like this like but will I be will he want long hair that I can braid
0: mm-hmm. maybe mm.
1: not maybe not <laughs> These are the things I think about like, you know, like braiding her hair. I don't know. This is, this is the rabbit hole we get down into sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd love to hear Andrea how, so it sounds like you had a pretty idyllic childhood. I mean, we all have traumas and shit and stuff, but it sounds like you had a lovely childhood. And I would love to hear next how you got into psychology And then how you kind of got into the specialty of one of your specialties is supporting people through breakups. Yeah.
0: Amazing. So I'd love to hear that story. Yeah. It's funny. I think all of the you know, my big traumas in life, because everyone has them, like you said, mostly had to do with other people, you know, not my immediate family <laughs> as much. Right. Um, so it's funny, I, I didn't always want to be a psychologist. I was a very strange child in a lot of ways. Um, I was pretty funny, but like, strange in some ways. And I loved going to the dentist. Like, so weird. I think it's because I didn't have a cavity until I was 30. So I didn't really know the pain of the dentist, and I had a really cool dentist, and there was always this stuffed animal you could enter to be in a drawing for when you went. thought that was so cool. So my four-year-old brain turned that into, I'm going to be a dentist. And then when I was a teenager and had braces, it evolved into, I'm going to be an orthodontist. Um, Never really thought about it, just decided really early on, and that was the narrative that I subscribed to my whole, my whole life until college, where I started out pre-dental, biology major um and at the University of Texas, which was a great, you know, biology program and all of that. And turns out I hated it. <laughs> I I wasn't so great at the chemistry and the physics. Um, I like biology, all right, but just did not thrive in that environment at all. And the classes that I found the most interesting were my human biology classes that talked about the brain and mm. that and then my psychology electives. And then my mom, um, she was actually a journalism major in college, but always had a strong interest in psychology. So like, we would always talk like, you know, when they were kids at school not being so nice to me or having a fight with my girlfriends or whatever. Um, my mom and I would always kind of have conversations on, well, why do you think she's doing that? Or why do you think that person is like that? What might that person have going on that's causing them to act this way? So I naturally got a little bit indoctrinated into that way of thinking, And I always loved reading Cosmo as, like, a teenager. I thought it was so cool to read Cosmo. And I remember seeing, like, the experts quoted in articles and things, especially about relationships and whatnot, and thinking, that's so cool. I want to do that. So that all kind of coalesced um, to me changing my major to psychology and wanting to focus on actual clinical practice over research. So off I went and went to grad school for psychology.
1: I love it that's amazing. It's funny because I actually had a very, very similar experience in that I had decided I was going to be a lawyer from a quite a young age. And it's funny because now I talk to people and I'm like, I didn't even know this career existed. Like I had no idea what coaching was or PR, my other business. I didn't know what that even was when I was younger. Most people wouldn't. So it's like, you don't even know what the possibilities are, which is so cool, but also so funny. So I really glommed on to this idea of being a lawyer. I even took my LSATs. Like I was going to go to law school. And then in my year off, kind of in between when I was going to go and my finishing my undergrad degree, I don't know, something just clicked. And I was like, Emily, like you don't want to be just doing research, is like essentially what most law is is looking at case precedents. I'm like, no, I have no desire to do that. I always had, it's kind of funny too, it reminded me. I always had such an interest in kind of the sociological and psychological aspects of the law and criminology. I found that interesting. Like, how do two kids grow up? down the block from each other. And one turns into like a gangster criminal and one goes to Harvard med school. Those kind of things were really interesting to me, but wow. not actually being a lawyer. <laughs>
0: right. right. More human intrigue
1: component of it. Yes. But I think what's really key about that from both of us is, and I do talk about this once in a while, is being okay with the pivot. I think a lot of women, I see this in business now, a lot of women are so scared to, you know, Edit or change a little bit of what their offerings are, or what their kind of main programs are, and it's like if you have the power to do that. You can do that. <laughs> you know, it's like you don't have to just stay stuck in this one track. And
0: I think those are just good examples of that. Oh my god, exactly. Not to get too ahead of myself, but briefly, like that's what I see that for people in relationships too. Like they're so scared because they've been telling themselves this is the person they're going to marry for so long that when push comes to shove, they don't always want to give that up when all signs are pointing to they should.
1: Yes. And something that this is off topic, but you just brought it up for me. Something that I have noticed a lot because I'm 34 now, you know, it's young, but it's also not that young. And I think I've noticed with a lot of women that there's the biological clock ticking, so to speak. And then I can see it, you can see it so clearly that they want to potentially let go of this partner, but the fear that they're not going to find someone else before they might want to have kids. And I don't know, have you seen that a lot in your work and how do you kind of approach that?
0: I have seen that a lot. Um, And it's funny because I mentioned I went to the University of Texas for college where people, you know in South and Texas, like people get married when they're five. Uh, So like the expectation is you meet your husband in college and, you know, not, not nowadays, it doesn't mean you can't have a career, but you know, that's, you should be married by this age, kids by this age kind of thing and add in the biological clock component of hitting 30 and beyond. And I do see that a lot. And, you know, it's such a personal decision. And if someone, you know, really, really wants a child and feels that that's their only opportunity to, I'm not you know, going to tell them not to necessarily, but it's so important to think about who would you be raising that child with and whether or not you stay together. And you're probably not going to stay together if you're already not happy with things when the baby's born, you know, you got 18 plus years. Um, like, is this someone you want in your life permanently? You are permanently tied to this person. And that's a really, really important thing to think about that sometimes gets pushed to the back of our brain. Um, because, and I, I use this example in, in a book I wrote, um, the friend's example of Rachel when she turns 30 and she's like, okay, so if I want kids by this age, I need to be married by this age and engaged by this age, which means I should be dating the guy I'm going to marry now. And it like pans to her young boyfriend riding the scooter in the hallway and she's just like, oh no, (laughs) and I think that a lot of women do that kind of count backwards thing and they stay stuck places that really aren't for them.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I know a lot of your work, as we kind of touched on, is around supporting people through breakups. And I would love to hear from you, what are some of the most common struggles you see with people who are going through a breakup? And what is some of the advice you would give give them? Of course, this is
0: like general. (laughs) So one of the biggest things that I talk about with my individual coaching clients is what narrative have you assigned to this breakup? And, you know, sometimes people don't know what that means. So I say, you know, if you were like really a a news journalist type person, like what are just the facts? You know, we met at this age, we dated for this long. He broke up with me. I am sad. (laughs) You know, these are facts. Everything else is the narrative, the kind of editorializing that we add to it. So it's well, you know, I met him at an age when I was really supposed to be finding my forever person. And, you know, I really thought that he was ready and he lied to me and and it's like all this extra stuff that they add. And I I recently had a coaching client and she said that the narrative she was mostly using was it could have worked if it could have worked if only he tried harder. It could have worked if only he loved me more. It could have worked if only I were more attractive, like whatever the if might be. And so the advice that I give people is we've got to rewrite that narrative to something that's more helpful. And sometimes it's a harsh truth. And the narrative that we shifted for this client is this relationship was never going to work out Mm long-term and like change that right now. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, I I can see
1: that where it's almost like you... I mean, no human wants to always admit their wrongdoings and admit that they perhaps ignored things. I think this was partly my experience, but I've heard this a lot is I ignored many red flags in the past Mm -hmm. and things that I knew were deal breakers for me Mm -hmm. and I ignored them. And then when you are coming up with your narrative, sometimes it's hard to look in the mirror and be like, Actually, we were never suited to each other. Actually, we were just two very different people and you, you know, you wish them well.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's another piece of it is one of the biggest struggles is looking at the relationship through those rose colored glasses And no matter how many struggles there were, no matter how many nights you were up crying, no matter how many times you ran to your best friend, sobbing and feeling dejected and like you weren't being treated well, for some reason when the relationship ends, oh, it was the best I've ever had. He was so incredible. I'm never going to meet anyone like him. And so one thing I do with my clients is we literally sit there and we make a list of any red flag that you notice now, anything you didn't like like from the way he chewed to his annoying work friends you had to see at the Christmas party, like anything. And I I, print, I type it up for them and tell them, look at this. Like every time you're missing them, you know, we can get negative a little bit. We live in an age of toxic positivity a lot of the time. Like, no, right now you get to be negative about this because we've got to take those rose color glasses off.
1: Yes. And from a psychological perspective, what is going on there? Like why, as I see, I've seen this, you know, All my friends and myself, that exact phenomenon where the relationship was basically terrible, but then you break up and you get the fear maybe comes in. Anyways, I'm curious, what's really going on there? Why do we miss them if it was so bad?
0: You know, I'm sure that there is some kind of like neurobiology, like evolutionary purpose for this that I'm not totally apprised of. But I think, in one sense, in a mindset sense, it comes from scarcity mindset. It comes from a place of lack. It comes from this belief that now that you no longer have that, there is not going to be anything better. And if we think there's nothing better, we start romanticizing what we had.
1: Right. And that was absolutely the case for me with a lot of my Mm ex-partners. That was it. I was speaking about that biological clock. I had some ridiculous idea of when I was supposed to do things by uh, not even biological clock, but just a timeline that I had in my head. Um, expectations, Yeah, exactly. These very rigid expectations. So then, for example, like maybe at 25, when me and my one boyfriend broke up, I did the Rachel thing where I was like, well, if I'm supposed to have kids by 28, then that means like I need to find someone like, you know, yeah. next week it's like, it's so ridiculous, but it's true. And then, yeah, you, you romanticize because I truly felt, I remember distinctly feeling like there is not going to be another person that's going to be as good for me as that person.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. When I have clients who have gone through breakups before, like I would never wish the pain of heartbreak on anyone, but I'm in a way glad that they've had the experience because once you do it once, you know that you're capable of doing it again. So that first heartbreak, and for some people, that's the you know high school heartbreak. For some people, it's later. But just knowing that going from that feeling of I'm never going to find someone like him, I'm never going to feel this way, I'm never going to have inside jokes with someone like this, no one's ever going to understand me the same way. And then lo and behold, they heal and they find someone else. Even if that relationship ends, they remember, oh, I've been here before and I have done it.
1: Right, and I've ma- made it through to the other side. Yes. <laughs> oh, so true. I was curious to also know from you what have you seen with relationships, um, with regards to the pandemic? So, we're in the middle of this kind of overarching stressor, <laughs> I would say, um, or maybe it's like an underlying stressor that's it feels like it's always there. And there's like a new thing to be worried about. So I was curious to hear how does that impact relationships and what can we maybe do to kind of work against that? Yeah, absolutely.
0: I think the way I describe it to my clients sometimes is it's like when you have a lot of apps running in the background on your phone and it's like a slow drain on your battery and you're like, why is my battery dying so fast? And you don't realize that you've got all these apps open. It's just this constant background app draining us all the time. And so what I've seen is a couple things. One, and this was especially too in the 2020 component of the pandemic. I can't believe we're referring to years for the, the pandemic in our freshman year of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so sad. Uh, um, it was a lot of people scrambling to have someone to spend time with, not wanting to be quarantined alone. So I was seeing, um, and this is part of what prompted the opening of my breakup coaching practice, because at the time I was still only doing therapy. Um, but what I was seeing was that people were kind of shacking up with people they had only been on like a couple dates with. <laughs> no, yeah, it was wild. Um, just because oh, we had a good time, and both of us live alone, and it makes more sense to quarantine together. And that's you know the early honeymoon phases where they're having sex all the time and you know it's enjoying each other. Great time for that, Being yeah. Um, so a lot of people were kind of forced together, um, forced to fit and. Upon learning more about each other and habits, that clearly wasn't a fit, but not wanting to give that up necessarily or just finding themselves in too deep was kind of a thing. Um, And then for the established couples, it's just that everyone's fuse is so much shorter because of this background draining. So conflict and tension were just a little more rampant and less time to like miss each other. Like, I, I love my husband. I don't, I don't know if he'll ever listen to this or not, but yes, babe, I love you. Um, and we both now work from home. So we are together all day, every day, and he used to travel for work. So we would have these periods of time, at least, you know, during a typical work day where we could miss each other a little bit and have things to tell each other at the end of the day. Um, and now we have to get a little more creative with, making sure we spend time apart, have separate hobbies, um, even if we're just in different rooms of the house, um, but making sure that we're not getting on each other's nerves too much, not forgetting to give each other space. Um, and I, I think that can make little things feel bigger mm-hmm. than they really are when that, those tensions are higher. So, and right. I've noticed that a lot with clients too. And, and luckily, you know, we've, we've really figured out a good a good system, but it's been a challenge for a lot of people They're like, I just, I didn't realize how much my partner annoys me and it doesn't necessarily mean they don't love them anymore that they want to break up or get divorced or anything, but, um, it's, it's highlighted some, some irritations for sure.
1: (laughs) No, it's so true because now like I work from home, um, my partner doesn't, but we have a little bit of a different schedule. So then there's like one day when... He's there all day and not working and I'm trying to work. Mm-hmm. And even that is a challenge because I'm like, can you like just not be in this room? I don't, like, I don't even like the presence when I'm trying to, it's hard to explain, but I really don't. Like we kind of share like an office space. It's like huge, mm-hmm. but it's, it's one big room. So it just like, even him being there <laughs> it sounds so bad to say out loud, but I'm like, can you just not? I know. <laughs> He's
0: it's like, so I'm not you-
1: doing anything or talking. I'm like, I know I can hear you going.
0: <laughs> like, stop. Oh, my, God. my husband got mad at me yesterday because he's so sweet. He knows that I see clients, uh, my therapy clients are 50 minute sessions uh, from the top of the hour. So, from 50 to the next hour, I'm typically free. I'm writing my notes, I'm using the restroom, getting water, whatever. And he'll like kind of pop his head and be like, Hi, what's up? And he's just being so sweet. And I'm like, What? <laughs> Sometimes I'm like a little irritated. <laughs>
1: Okay, I had, I have the same experience sometimes when I'm working away and he'll even just text me. I'm like, Oh, what do you want? <laughs> I, know, and then I, mean, I
0: work, work zone, you know? Exactly. And he was like, I'm just being nice. I just like you. And I was like, Oh, good point. Okay. I'm being a jerk. You're right. True. <laughs> true. And I'm trying to keep in mind. And I, I give my clients this advice too. Like our lives probably won't always look like this it's been this way for so long that it can feel like it's going to be like this forever, but it's not. So what are the pieces that you think you might miss someday? And when he's traveling again, I'm going to miss that. So I need to remind myself to really take advantage of it and treasure it now because I won't always have it. Mm-hmm. Yes, for
1: sure. Something came up for me as you were talking to and I think it'd be really beneficial for a lot of the listeners who aren't necessarily therapists, but a lot of them are, you know, trauma healers or coaches, mm-hmm. even myself, even though it's mainly I focus on business and brand coaching, you do still working one-on-one with people. You often will get into kind of sensitive things mm-hmm. and things that can be heavy. And I was so curious to hear from you how do you kind of like stay grounded or, you know, stay above the line when it's so much kind of like shit coming at you?
0: (laughs) You know what I mean? What are your tips around that? This is a question I get a lot, especially from the interns I supervise for like in grad school, just learning how to do therapy. And it's funny, I need to come up with a more concrete like methodology of this, but I think the things that work for me, one is that I have a really great support network. And obviously in, in licensed therapy land, there are very strict confidentiality rules and ethics involved. And and I would hope that, you know, coaches and, and other healers subscribe to similar guidelines. Um, so, you know, I'm not talking to just anyone, but I have other therapist friends and colleagues that we have consultation groups and things. So if I have something really heavy happen in a session, I can kind of tell them and kind of not dump it on them, but like spread it out a little bit, um, which is super helpful. Um, cause technically legally, I'm not even supposed to do that with my husband. So, you know, I have to have that professional network in place Um, so that's helpful. And then I also like physically have a room that I do therapy in. my, this is my home office and I, you know, I shut the lights off and I close the door at the end of the day and I physically leave the space. And I think that's been really helpful. Um, and the other thing is I have my own therapist. So, you know, I think everyone should have, you know, whether it's a coach, um, or a spiritual healer or something, someplace where they go and get taken care of um, to kind of spread it out and process it. And, you know, there, it's funny, I've been doing this so many years now that I don't really get activated that easily, but every once in a while I'll have a really heavy session with someone or just something going on in my personal life gets triggered by something someone's talking about. And I need to hash that out. Um, you know, you can't just let that sit. So definitely advocate for people to have their own helpers.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I advocate for like many helpers like I have a few. (laughs) I actually just started with a counselor because we have like registered counselors here. Um, So I know it's different. This is in Canada. It's like, it's different depending where you are. Yeah. Um, But it was so nice. Like I hadn't had a therapist like that in a while. And it was really nice Mm -hmm. to talk to someone who, and nothing against, obviously I'm a coach. There's nothing against that or like a mindset coach, but to someone who is a true professional in that like emotional component. Mm -hmm. It was so nice.
0: And we're a good fit, which is big. I think fit is so important. Yes. The research says the best predictor of successful therapy is fit with your therapist, like above credentials, above experience. It's fit. So
1: absolutely. And I will say this is obviously just my personal experience, but I've been to counseling, this is probably my third Person and the first time especially, I never jived with the guy. First of all, it was a man, which for me, I think just it wasn't ever gonna be the right energy. Um, and then yeah, we just didn't didn't really click on that level. And I think, yeah, I can completely see why that fit and chemistry is such a big predictor. Mm -hmm. Um, I can totally see. So I feel like what I would say to people, and I'm sure you'll say the same thing, is you like, don't feel bad if you don't go back to someone, if it's not the right fit. Even my, I really liked that the therapist yesterday, she said that she's like, just so you know, if, if we're not a fit, don't feel bad, like canceling appointments. She, she's like, even if in a couple months you re- you feel like it's not a fit anymore, cancel. Yeah. Like, don't, don't worry. But I'm, I was really appreciative that she said that and put that out there. Yes. yes and I think that's
0: so important. And I, I don't know if there's, you know, a distribution like people who do this who are coaches or therapists or who does it more or whatever but I have noticed it more with men I must say but this idea that like I'm the best at this and I'm the person you need to work with and this kind of self-importance piece of it and that to me is a huge red flag in any professional that it needs to be like hey like this is how I do things but if it doesn't fit for you you know let's talk about it and see if there's a way to make it fit for you and if not cool let's find you someone who's a better fit and that that kind of humility piece, I think is very, very important. Yes. I'm with you a thousand percent.
1: And I talk about it with my clients and just the way that I even approach sales, for example, because you're in the business of sales with your coaching as well. Mm -hmm. And I am personally a huge proponent of, you call it kind of like magnetic sales. So as in I put out the information, I put out the content, and people are drawn to me, and of course, yeah. If they ask specific questions, I can answer that. But then it's—I'm not there to hard sell you. I will never do that. I do not get on calls with people and try and like grind them down. Literally, most people, most clients that I have message me in my DMs and are like, "Hey, I want to work with you." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm like, "Perfect. What? Like, what are you thinking? Yada yada." And then we go from there. If it's a good fit, perfect. But I just, I. I'm glad you brought that up because I do see that in the coaching industry and probably other places. Like you said, not just coaching, but you need to find the right fit for you, whether it's a therapist, a coach and don't feel bad saying no to someone if it's not the right fit.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's the thing that also makes me feel better as a coach because you know, I'm a breakup coach. There aren't a ton of us. I don't think it's a huge, hugely saturated niche, but There are, excuse me, some people who have been doing this longer than me who are more established, like I have a couple like coach crushes, but they're just killing it. They're doing exactly what I want to do and they've just been at it longer. And sometimes I feel intimidated, but then I have to remember, you know, just because we work in the same area doesn't mean that they're the right fit for everybody, nor would I be. So it's a good thing that there's variety. It's a good thing that there are more people on the scene doing the Mm. same thing. I
1: agree. And I, you know, I say this all the time and to clients, because it's a common thing that comes up with women. They're like, oh, but this person does something similar. And I'm like, who gives a shit? Like there the way that you talk, your experiences, the way you present information, your expertise that is all going to click with the right person. And the rest, I obviously, like we talked about, I don't worry about (laughs) like, if it's not a click, like there's going to be someone out there who's going to really support them. So I love that. I would love to end on, let's end on an upswing. And (laughs) what are your top tips for working to strengthen your relationship? So if you don't want to go to breakup land, it's okay (laughs) if you do. It's okay if you're there. You can contact Andrea and she can help you. Um, But yeah, if you're looking to strengthen your relationship, which I feel like probably everyone is, what are some of your top tips?
0: Well, first I have to do my obnoxious plug for therapy. Uh (laughs) <laughs> I, I just think that when you have someone, a designated space, whether it's weekly, biweekly, even monthly, um, to have where it's your space to, to dump, to vent, to figure things out, to process things, to get reality checks. Like, hey, I freaked out at my partner about this. Am I losing my mind or did I have a point kind of thing? I think that can be super helpful just so you're not bringing as much baggage into the relationship. You know, like kind of decluttering on your own time a little bit um, is super helpful. And I'm, this sounds so trite, but I, I will elaborate that, you know, communication is key. You hear that all the time. And the type of communication that I really subscribe to, I call it, and my clients, I say this all the time, like I'm a transparent communicator. I think you need to give your partner clues into that you're behind the scenes because we assume that people are mind reading for us. We assume that just because we say X, they'll know that we really meant X, Y, Z. And so I have gotten into the habit, and I think sometimes <laughs> some things I over-communicate, but it's helpful that I can be like, hey, like this is bothering me because when this happened, it reminded me of this, which made me think of this, and that made me worry about if this happens, and that's why I'm on your case about ABC. And when I give that behind the scenes, into all the turnings of my mind, it makes so much more sense. And so I think you can avoid a lot of conflict by just being transparent. Um, That's the biggest, biggest thing. Because I'll get people, I I offer a service called Breakup Diagnosis, where people are, like, not sure if they want to break up or not. and, um, And they're looking for guidance on what to do. And nine times out of 10, I'm hearing something along the lines of like, this is the problem and this is the problem, and this is a problem. And then I'll say, well, are they aware that this is a problem? And they're like, I don't know. I think so. Like, ooh, we want to be a little more certain about that. So, you know, here are some tips for hashing that out with them and then come back. to me, Yes, I've
1: definitely experienced that myself um, and seen it all the time. And yeah. women... I'm just working off that because that's like my girlfriends and most of them are dating men, but it's like, they assume, make so many extra assumptions about what the man's thinking and they've never actually straight up asked her what they want, Mm -hmm. uh, said that X, Y, Z bothers them. Like they've never, never come out and say hey, babe, it, it really bothers me when you come home late every day when you say you're going to be on time for dinner because X, Y, Z, or maybe there's no because, but they, they've never said it. And they're like, well, they should know that, that it pisses me off when they're late. Okay, right. have, have you said that? Maybe right. that's not the best
0: example, but they, just I totally. think it's so common. Mm-hmm. You have to say it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, a plug for you know, if you're not currently in a relationship and you want to be in one, being really clear on what it is that's compatible with you, what you are seeking out, what you're looking to avoid, maybe based on past experiences and not just having someone fit this mold because, oh, I'm 28 and I need to be married by the time I'm 30. So this guy is good enough. So I'm going to just ignore all the things that I don't like because I want to stay on my timeline. I think that's, that's another way to avoid a breakup is don't do that. Yeah. Let's not go there. Okay.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Andrea. This has been incredible. I have learned so much. I know everyone's going to love it. And I want to acknowledge you for the incredible support that you're providing to all of your clients because anyone who comes to you is going through a hard time and you are absolutely a light in that. I have no doubt. So I want to acknowledge you for that.
0: Thank you. You're
1: welcome. And of course, thanks for coming on the show.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast.
1: My pleasure. Before we get to lightning round, where is the best place to connect with you? Where do you like to hang out?
0: Yes. I'm mostly on Instagram. I am at Dr. Andrea Liner, um, dr.andrea.liner. Um, you can also find me. I have a free Facebook community called The Breakup Clinic um, that you can search by that name. <clears throat> and it's a community for support, connecting, sharing stories. And I go in and give expert tips and some live coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find me there. And you can grab my free breakup first aid kit on my website, which is drandrealiner.com.
1: Amazing. I'll make sure to link everything up. So let's get into it. What is your current favorite book or podcast or even Instagram account that's giving you inspiration?
0: Yes. So my favorite right now, I've kind of got two. One is I'm reading Um You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jensen I love it's so good. So good. She's just so relatable. Um, I love mindset stuff. Money mindset I find fascinating because it's one of those taboo topics that no one talks about but we really need to change that societally. Um, so I'm loving that. And then a podcast called The Mindset Shift, which was actually started by a colleague of mine from graduate school, um, Dr. Rebecca Smith, um, that can be found at, I think it's mindsetshift.co, C-O. Um, And it's just, it's kind of meditations and mindfulness all wrapped up in one. Um, it's a great resource sounds amazing yeah what is your morning beverage of choice so it's gotta be a sugar-free vanilla latte I love it I I feel fancy I have a little espresso machine and I've got my sugar-free syrup which I know is not the best for me but maybe better than real sugar I don't know it's a debate um but that or tea I mean yeah it's a
1: heated debate and I think what I've come to the conclusion on based on what I've Seen in the research is that either's fine, so basically, don't overdo either,
0: right? Right, everything
1: in moderation, and you're good. (laughs) What is your favorite thing to do with your partner? Eat.
0: (laughs) We are both really, really into food, which is. Is why I have to be good about staying active. <laughs> but we are total food people. He's a wonderful cook. Um, I'm very lucky. He cooks for me all the time, and is always down to go try a new restaurant, especially sushi. We are really big sushi people.
1: Oh well, then you got to come to Vancouver. It's really good here. I've yeah. heard that. I've got to get there. Really good sushi. Have you tried a buri sushi before? No. Like the flame grilled style. They take like oh. a. You have to look it up after. It's delightful. It's just my
0: fave. Fantastic. <laughs>
1: and your favorite place you've traveled?
0: Ooh, so many. Um, I think my favorite was Ghent, Belgium. <laughs> oh, Belgium looks beautiful. So beautiful. Um, Ghent is really cool. It's usually just like a stop um, that people get off the train between Brussels and Bruges and like don't spend much time there but I spent two nights there and there's like this medieval castle right in the center of town. Um, I'm a big Belgian beer fan. So that's why I went. Um, and the people were just so friendly. It was a little less touristy and they have these awesome bars that are all candle lit at night. It's like the coolest Uh, vibe. So go to Belgium everyone after (laughs) the pandemic. Yeah. That (laughs) sounds like
1: a vibe. I love that. Okay. Final question. Something I'm passionate about. Teaching women about and just instilling in other women is confidence. So, I would love to hear from you.
0: What's your definition of confidence or what does it mean to you? Yes. Um, I always think of this quote by Dolly Parton figure out who you are, then do it on purpose. And I just feel like knowing who you are, knowing yourself, knowing your values, what you stand for, what you like, what you don't like, your quirks, your flaws, all of it just being very familiar with yourself and then just owning it is the definition of confidence. And it's the best way to live an authentic life. Mm.
1: So true. Thank you so much, Dr. Andrea. This has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. If you liked our podcast, please be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.